Chapter Twenty Six of the Patchwork Girl of Oz. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Eric Leach. The Patchwork Girl of Oz by L. Frank Baum. Chapter Twenty Six: The Trick River. Next morning, they pushed the raft into the water and all got aboard. The quadling man had to hold the log craft fast while they took their places, and the flow of the river was so powerful that it nearly tore the raft from his hands. As soon as they were all seated upon the logs, he let go, and away it floated. And the adventurers had begun their voyage towards the Winky Country. The little house of the quadlings was out of sight almost before they had cried their goodbyes, and the scarecrow said in a pleased voice, "It won't take us long to get to the Winky Country at this rate." They had floated several miles down the stream and were enjoying the ride when suddenly the raft slowed up, stopped short, and then began to float back the way it had come. "Why, what's wrong?" asked Dorothy in astonishment. But they were all just as bewildered as she was, and at first no one could answer the question. Soon, however, they realized the truth—that the current of the river had reversed, and the water was now flowing in the opposite direction toward the mountains. They began to recognize the scenes they had passed. And by and by they came in sight of the little house of the Quadlings again. The man was standing on the river bank, and he called to them, "How do you do? Glad to see you again. I forgot to tell you that the river changes its direction every little while. Sometimes it flows one way, and sometimes the other." They had no time to answer him, for the raft was swept past the house and a long distance on the other side of it. "We're going just the way we don't want to go," said Dorothy. "And I guess the best thing we can do is to get to land before we're carried any farther." But they could not get to land. They had no oars, nor even a pole to guide the raft with. The logs which bore them floated in the middle of the stream and were held fast in that position by the strong current. So they sat still and waited. And even while they were wondering what could be done, the raft slowed down, stopped, and began drifting the other way in the direction it had first followed. After a time, they repassed the Quadling House, and the man was still standing on the bank. He cried out to them, "Good day! Glad to see you again!" I expect I shall see you a good many times as you go by, unless you happen to swim ashore. By that time they had left him behind and were headed once more straight toward the Winky Country. This is pretty hard luck," said Ojo in a discouraged voice. "The Trick River keeps changing, it seems, and here we must float back and forward forever unless we manage in some way to get ashore." "Can you swim?" asked Dorothy. "No, I'm Ojo the Unlucky. Neither can I." Toto can swim a little, but that won't help us to get to shore. I don't know whether I could swim or not," remarked Scraps. "But if I tried it, I'd surely ruin my lovely patches. My straw would get soggy in the water, and I would sink," said the Scarecrow. So there seemed no way out of their dilemma, and being helpless, they simply sat still. Ojo, who was on the front of the raft, looked over into the water and thought he saw some large fishes swimming about. He found a loose end of the clothesline which fastened the logs together. And taking a gold nail from his pocket, he bent it nearly double to form a hook and tied it to the end of the line. Having baited the hook with some bread which he broke from his loaf, he dropped the line into the water, and almost instantly it was seized by a great fish. They knew it was a great fish because it pulled so hard on the line that it dragged the raft forward even faster than the current of the river had carried it. The fish was frightened, and it was a strong swimmer. As the other end of the clothesline was bound around the logs, he could not get it away, and as he had greedily swallowed the gold hook at the first bite, he could not get rid of that either. When they reached the place where the current had before changed, the fish was still swimming ahead in its wild attempt to escape. The raft slowed down, yet it did not stop because the fish would not let it. It continued to move in the same direction it had been going. 
As the current reversed and rushed backward on its course, it failed to drag the raft with it. Slowly, inch by inch, they floated on, and the fish tugged and tugged and kept them going. "'I hope he won't give up,' said Ojo anxiously. "'If the fish can hold out till the current changes again, we'll be all right.' The fish did not give up, but held the raft bravely on its course, till at last the water in the river shifted again and floated them the way they wanted to go. But now the captive fish found its strength failing. Seeking a refuge, it began to drag the raft toward the shore. As they did not wish to land in this place, the boy cut the rope with his pocket knife and set the fish free, just in time to prevent the raft from grounding. The next time the river backed up, the scarecrow managed to seize the branch of a tree that overhung the water, and they all assisted him to hold fast and prevent the raft from being carried backward. While they waited here, Ojo spied a long broken branch lying upon the bank, so he leapt ashore and got it. When he had stripped off the side chutes, he believed he could use the branch as a pole to guide the raft in case of emergency. They clung to the tree until they found the water flowing the right way when they let go and permitted the raft to resume its voyage. In spite of these pauses, they were really making good progress toward the Winky Country, and having found a way to conquer the adverse current, their spirits rose considerably. They could see little of the country through which they were passing because of the high banks, and they met with no boats or other craft upon the surface of the river. Once more, the Trick River reversed its current, but this time the Scarecrow was on guard and used the pole to push the raft toward a big rock which lay in the water. He believed the rock would prevent their floating backward with the current, and so it did. They clung to this anchorage until the water resumed its proper direction when they allowed the raft to drift on. Floating around a bend, they saw ahead a high bank of water extending across the entire river, and toward this they were being irresistibly carried. There being no way to arrest the progress of the raft, they clung fast to the logs and let the river sweep them on. Swiftly, the raft climbed the bank of water and slid down on the other side, plunging its edge deep into the water and drenching them all with spray. As again the raft righted and drifted on, Dorothy and Ojo laughed at the ducking they had received, but Scraps was much dismayed, and the Scarecrow took out his handkerchief and wiped the water off the patchwork girl's patches as well as he was able to. The sun soon dried her, and the colors of her patches proved good, for they did not run together nor did they fade. After passing the wall of water, the current did not change or flow backward any more, but continued to sweep them steadily forward. The banks of the river grew lower, too, permitting them to see more of the country, and presently they discovered yellow buttercups and dandelions growing among the grass, from which evidence they knew they had reached the Winky country. "'Don't you think we ought to land?' Dorothy asked the Scarecrow. "'Pretty soon,' he replied. "'The Tin Woodman's Castle is in the southern part of the Winky country, and so it can't be a great way from here.' Fearing they might drift too far, Dorothy and Ojo now stood up and raised the Scarecrow in their arms as high as they could, thus allowing him a good view of the country. For a time he saw nothing he recognized, but finally he cried, "'There it is! There it is!' "'What?' asked Dorothy. "'The Tin Woodman's Castle! I can see its turrets glittering in the sun. It's quite a way off, but we'd better land as quickly as we can.' They let him down and began to urge the raft toward the shore by means of the pole. It obeyed very well, for the current was more sluggish now, and soon they had reached the bank and landed safely. The winky country was really beautiful, and across the fields they could see afar the silvery sheen of the tin castle. With light hearts they hurried toward it, being fully rested by their long ride on the river. By and by they began to cross an immense field of splendid yellow lilies, the delicate fragrance of which was very delightful. "'How beautiful they are!' cried Dorothy, stopping to admire the perfection of these exquisite flowers. "'Yes,' said the Scarecrow reflectively, "'but we must be careful not to crush or injure any of these lilies.' "'Why not?' asked Ojo. 
The Tin Woodman is very kind-hearted, was the reply, and he hates to see any living thing hurt in any way. Are flowers alive? asked Scraps. Yes, of course, and these flowers belong to the Tin Woodman, so in order not to offend him we must not tread on a single blossom. Once, said Dorothy, the Tin Woodman stepped on a beetle and killed the little creature. That made him very unhappy, and he cried until his tears rusted his joints, so he couldn't move them. What did he do then? asked Ojo. Put oil on them until the joints worked smooth again. Oh! exclaimed the boy, as if a great discovery had flashed across his mind. But he did not tell anybody what the discovery was, and kept the idea to himself. It was a long walk, but a pleasant one, and they did not mind it a bit. Late in the afternoon they drew near to the wonderful tin castle of the Emperor of the Winkies, and Ojo and Scraps, who had never seen it before, were filled with amazement. Tin abounded in the Winky country, and the Winkies were said to be the most skillful tinsmiths in all the world. So the tin woodman had employed them in building his magnificent castle, which was all of tin, from the ground to the tallest turret, and so brightly polished that it glittered in the sun's rays more gorgeously than silver. Around the grounds of the castle ran a tin wall with tin gates, but the gates stood wide open because the emperor had no enemies to disturb him. When they entered the spacious grounds, our travelers found more to admire. Tin fountains sent sprays of clear water far into the air, and there were many beds of tin flowers, all as perfectly formed as any natural flowers might be. There were tin trees, too, and here and there shady bowers of tin, with tin benches and chairs to sit upon. Also on the sides of the pathway leading up to the front door of the castle were rows of tin statuary, very cleverly executed. Among these, Ojo recognized statues of Dorothy, Toto, the Scarecrow, the Wizard, the Shaggy Man, Jack Pumpkinhead, and Ozma, all standing upon neat pedestals of tin. Toto was well acquainted with the residence of the Tin Woodman, and being assured a joyful welcome, he ran ahead and barked so loudly at the front door that the Tin Woodman heard him and came out in person to see if it were really his old friend Toto. Next moment the Tin Man had clasped the Scarecrow in a warm embrace, and then turned to hug Dorothy. But now his eye was arrested by the strange sight of the patchwork girl, and he gazed upon her in mingled wonder and admiration. End of chapter 26 Recording by Eric Leach, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania.